0: Hello and welcome. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, it's been a week and we're back. We had our nice Christmas holiday. You're listening to the Two Beers Please podcast. Welcome, welcome. Lots to talk about today. College football playoffs are this weekend. The NBA season has officially tipped off. It's been a week. We'll be talking about everything going on there. And then the NFL is in its last week. And I think Matt will agree. It's a crazy last week of football to be had. Excited to have it. Uh, but as always, we start by saying, follow us on all the sites. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at the number two BP underscore podcasts. We're on Instagram at do two beers, please underscore podcast spelled like it sounds. And we you can find us on Spotify, on Anchor, on iTunes. You know, look us up in the Google search. That is what it's for. Uh, if you see anything not... Not pleasant. It's not from us. I'm sure there's there's some other people with the name that that that's. I
1: wonder wonder you would get from just two beers, please, into Google search. I mean, we have to do it now, right? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we'll come back with we'll come back with uh,
0: that. Research notes. There you go. All right, Matt. As always, we start off with our little corner. How are we doing today, buddy? How you feeling? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm a little a little under the weather, but uh, you
1: know that's nature of the beast this time of the year. I'm still feeling pretty high off the, the Man U win yesterday. Needed those three points. I found out that's the latest home game winner for Manchester United in the league since 2009. And so I wasn't even I wasn't even really a Man U fan then. So it's the latest home winner I've ever gotten to see in the league and uh, needed it. I thought we deserved it, so that's always nice. Having a little bit of the post-Christmas blues. You know, I, I always get so excited for Christmas and, you know, get to be able to, to be with family and and just celebrate with the movies and music and lots of good food and stuff. So it it really is my favorite time of year. So like the day, even the day after always of of Christmas, I'm I'm like a little like, ah, damn, that's over. Uh, So a little bit of, of the letdown, but besides that, I'm doing just fine. How are you,
0: my man? I'm doing well. I I, I agree. The, the post-Christmas blues are definitely real because what, what ends up happening, right, <clears throat> is it's already winter. And like, don't get me wrong, winter can be a great season, but it's already like cold out and people are sick. And like, you're like, you know, things are like on a lower pace. And this year, especially, it's like a slower than lower pace. I and so... Imagine. The build up to Christmas is this big thing, and then you're like, "Oh wait, we're in the middle of December." <laughs> December yeah, like, in the it, got like two
1: and a half more months of snow, like snow with the buildup of Christmas is great.
0: Snow with no Christmas to go on with it, you're just like, "Well, this sucks." Right. It's like we should get all our snow in the 25 days of December. You know, maybe 26, and then you know, just just be normally cold. Doesn't need to be snowy. I had to shovel my driveway. I haven't had to do that in, you know, who knows? Did, how you well. guys, did you guys get hit pretty hard yesterday? Because we got shit on. Yeah, we got, we got, uh, we got, it was pretty well done. It was pretty, it was pretty high. Like it, it, it's about to my, it's to my calves. It's, it's to my calves is where it is. Yeah, so it's, it's a decent saying, amount of, a decent just amount. coming and coming. Up. Right. Yeah. Because I, yesterday, like around 11, I was like, oh, I better get in my run so I don't get caught by the snow. And then it just never stopped. It never stopped. It just kept going through the night, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, that's ridiculous." Um, yeah, but uh, I, I definitely feel that I'm doing well, though. I, uh, you know, I, I'm excited for the new year. I'm tr- I'm making my resolutions today, so we'll see. I have a couple ready, but we'll see. We'll see how how I pace myself. You know, I've been seeing all those memes about like nobody say 2021 is their year. Enter nice and slowly. We're not going to touch anything. <laughs> It's uh, it's really funny. That's fair. Yeah, that's one
1: <laughs> of the. I, I was, I was worried that all the uh, just like post twenty twenty sort of stuff, like people are always annoying on social media in the new, like coming of the new year, and so like this year I was like, I feel like I might have to just not be on social media at all during this because. But people have actually not annoyed me as, as much as normal. Well, I guess you maybe have better I just need to stop me, getting annoyed so easily. I've but seen way that's too I got, many.
0: It's not gonna change. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I, you must have better friends than me though, because I, I've just been seeing too many like, oh, you know, next year hindsight really will be 2020. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna murder all of you. I'm gonna murder everybody. We get it.
1: My my goodness. (laughs) I saw one too. That was like, maybe we shouldn't call next year 2021. Cause then it was like 2020, the word one. Which I which was
0: kind of clever, but I'm also just like I, we get it. It's a new year. All of you, shut up, right? Or the one that's like enjoy 2021 because then 2022, like it's gonna be 2022. Like again, and I'm like this is never gonna end, is it? It's right. really never gonna end. Okay, well, uh, let's move on from the 2020 jokes, then Matthew, and let's get into some some college bowl action. Although you want to talk about the blues. The blues were not helped by this college bowl season being like absolutely emaciated by the, Horrible. by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. It, it was terrible. All the bowls were canceled. We'll talk about the Hawkeyes. Obviously um, we had a couple bowls, bowls uh, and w- w- we'll each cover one really quick. Matthew, why don't you take us away in what was a surprise uh, game uh, for the, for the one that you're covering? Absolutely. Well, this was, I mean, this
1: was one of the games I picked out because even before the bowls were getting like canceled and such, like Iowa, Missouri, Texas, Colorado, like so many of these matchups were just not good. Uh, But I'm going to talk about the cure bowl. One of the bowls I picked to watch because I thought the Liberty coastal Carolina matchup would be a lot of fun. I thought it would be a good one. I'm not sure I even anticipated how wild this one turned out to be. I mean, it, it was probably, I mean, it set a high bar for, for the bowl games. I'm not sure we'll get a better bowl game. Both offenses came to play It ended 37-34 in overtime with a Liberty win. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead after the first quarter, but Coastal Carolina, of course, wasn't about to give up. Liberty kind of held – they held the lead and, and kind of had a little bit of a distance from Coastal Carolina most of the game uh, until Coastal Carolina tied it up with a touchdown and two-point conversion with just three minutes to go and then the the craziness ensued even more liberty took the ball down the field they're inside the 10-yard line like all they're going to do is just run out the clock to hit a field goal as time expires and of course they fumble it on the 1-yard line so coastal carolina recovers the ball game goes into overtime liberty's able to hit their field goal uh, on on their first possession Coastal Carolina has three incomplete passes, lines up for a 42 yard field goal, and Liberty blocks Coastal Carolina's field goal to secure the win. Uh, it was just a fun game. And I mean, it was right. kind of like I said, I, I kind of thought it was going to be a close one. I don't think I thought it was going to be that crazy. I mean, I've, I've never seen a team, I don't think I've ever seen anyone fumble like that. And, and it's kind of like you're always worried about it at the end of the game when you're like, man, they're just trying to run out the clock and like, what are they going to do? And like they, they tr- truly fumbled away the victory. Luckily, they were able to still snag it, and, and certainly deserved it. But you know, like, I like I think it was it was one of the few bowl games we've had where both the teams were pretty evenly matched. Like Coastal Carolina got a little more headline than Liberty, but Liberty was ranked in the AP and the coaches' poll. Uh, just a, a good good offense. They got Hugh Freeze, the old old Miss, the old old Miss coach. That's kind of tough to say. Um, so just like a a very, very even matchup. And we saw that out on the field and, uh, you know, sucks for, for coastal Carolina, certainly feel for them to be able to kind of finish off an undefeated season, even in a year where they didn't play a ton of tough teams. It's still quite an accomplishment. Um, but both teams gave us what I I expect to be probably the the best game of the year. It was, it was a ton of fun and and credit to both those teams. Coastal Carolina still should hold their head high. It's been a great season and they put the, the Chanticleers on the national map. I, I don't think any of us, even in the COVID season, were expecting to talk so much about
0: Coastal Carolina. Right. I mean, I was I was going to this game thinking maybe they get upset too because whenever a team has a lot of crap to say about where they stand, even though their season doesn't necessarily, you know, entail needing to be higher, which I think, I you know, props to the Chanticleers, but they were where they needed to be as the game showed um you know I, I I thought that this would be a game I also really like Malik Willis you know I think I think he's a really good quarterback and he obviously he had like a bunch of rushing touchdowns I forget how many but it you know it was a good game for him as well and uh yeah I mean Coastal Carolina Jamie Cat- Chadwell just won coach of the year he, um so you know good for him shows that there's some respect there uh for what Coastal Carolina did uh yeah but really exciting uh it kind of reminds me of when the receiver like has an open run to the to the to the end zone and drops the ball like out of his hands right at the one. Like that kind of is what the fumble reminded me. It's like it's possible. It doesn't happen a lot, but it, it yeah. I mean it, it is possible. That's that's just a boneheaded uh, the amount of the amount of times that happens shocks me. That's true. I I as I was saying it, I was like, I've actually seen that happen four or five times. I see, like you see that happen more
1: than you see like a team trying to run out the clock and then they fumble. Like it after like the one time you see somebody do it, why would you ever do, like make sure you're in the end zone? It's not that cool. It's also not that cool of a celebration to just drop the ball. Like you, I mean, it's fine. I, it's not a bad one, but it's not worth the risk of possibly screwing your team over with a, a touchback and giving the ball to the other team. Like it, it's kind of absurd
0: how many times receivers have, have done that. Right. And it's also funny. It's not like, you know, it'd be one thing if the Kansas City Chiefs were up 35 points and Tyreek Hill had a blown coverage and dropped the ball because he was being dorky. It didn't matter. It's always receivers and close games. And you're like, yeah, it's always <laughs> close. And you're like, you got one job. Score the touchdown. It's a close game. Don't Let's show off in that. there with the ball. <laughs> with two hands, two hands. Oh my gosh. Uh fundamentals. We love them. Anyway, I'll go over the Cheese It Bowl. Uh this one was, you know, the only ranked matchup outside of the New York six New Year's Six Bowls. Um, you know, it's supposed to be a really great one. Uh OK State, you know, ranked at 28, Miami ranked at 18. Both kind of having disappointing seasons, but still both decent teams. Uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard, obviously declaring not playing in this game and it was really the question was the quarterback battle between spencer sanders and Derek king unfortunately uh in the second quarter Derek king went out with a knee injury really sad to see uh hope that he uh recovers well that it's nothing serious i'm not sure if there's been any news on it since this morning but as of this morning there's no really news on it uh but it seemed it seemed pretty bad so we'll see what happens which sucks because he you know declared that he's already staying at miami next year Uh, So, you know, definitely a blow to the the Hurricanes. But Spencer Sanders went out there, did his job, threw for 305 yards and four touchdowns uh, and and a win for OK State. Uh, The other story of this game, uh, freshman Brennan Presley, who had one catch all year, then came into this game because OK State's wide receiver core, you know, declared or didn't play, whatever, and had six receptions for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Good for the freshman. Good to have that in a bowl game. Uh, Miami played well, even though they lost Derek King. They were down 21 0, made it close, uh, scored twice in the fourth quarter, almost made a comeback. Uh, but it was a good game from both. You know, it was a good win for o- an OK State side that definitely disappointed this year. And for Miami, they played well without Derek King. Uh, the backup Nkosi was really good, too. So hopefully, if they need him, he can step in. But also, hopefully, we hope that Derek King can make a swift return.
1: Yeah, it was nice seeing Nkosi N- N- Perry play well because he was such a, like, a highly talked about recruit like i mean he's from florida he's from the area and like hurricanes fans were so excited for him and he he just hadn't hadn't really come to fruition what they were expecting so it was nice to see i mean he played really really well last night he helped keep them in the game and um things may have gone differently but uh if if king was in the game but it was nice to see nkosi perry play well uh and show that he does i mean he still certainly has some of those tools to to be a a successful quarterback and yeah you hope you hope the eric king comes back healthy because, I mean, he's obviously coming back because he's not going to – right now the guy doesn't look anything like an NFL quarterback. So I think, you know, he wants to come back and help his draft stock and and actually kind of prove that he can run a pro offense. So you hope that he gets healthy and and can come back and, and give the canes. You know, I just, there's something about Miami where I'm just like, I, I want Miami to be good. Like I, yeah, I don't know course. why. I've got, I've got no idea why I want Miami to be good. Like I I shouldn't. It's just a, a rich private school that has been good at sports better like more than they should. But like there's just something about the
0: canes that like when they're good, it's it's better for college football for sure. Yeah. I I have that with every sport that Miami plays. I remember being like when Miami was good in basketball that one year, being like, Oh yeah, I, I like the Canes. Let's go canes. I don't know why. Dude, how can you not love Jim Jim Laranega? I mean, he go. ruled.
1: <laughs> He rules all right i love that like he took george mason in the final four and then he just ends up at miami and he, he's made miami into a, a pretty darn they've been a better basketball school the last
0: decade than a football school oh that's true i didn't think about that but that is really true matt that's a good observation they have been because before the decade before obviously you know dominated by football so you know really good turnaround and uh yeah we hope the canes keep doing well we'll see Uh, Apparently, that's our secondary team now. Uh, So (laughs) for whatever reason, I guess it's just... Huge Hawkeye and Canes fans. It's the most random thing, and will probably bite us in the butt later. Anyway, uh, lots of good bowl games uh, still to come up. Hopefully, they happen. Uh, The one today that I'm looking forward to, obviously, uh, the Florida-Oklahoma game in the Cotton Bowl, uh, two uh, really good teams facing off. Uh, But yeah. It's, it's you know, the, the bowl games that have happened so far have been a little disappointing, kind of one-sided. There have been some good ones, obviously, and we just talked about them. Wisconsin currently came back over Wake Forest. They're, like, destroying them in the Mayo Bowl, so good for a Big Ten team to be doing that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the big games to talk about are obviously the college football semis, and that's where we find ourselves. Uh, we talked about it last week, but we'll just run through it right now. Obviously, you know, Ohio State versus Clemson, Notre Dame versus Alabama. Uh, I'll start off actually, uh, Alabama playing Notre Dame, Alabama. I mean, what to say about Alabama? They are undefeated. They have three Heisman finalists. I mean, my God, like t- truthfully, I, I, you know, Alabama's defense is not doing them any favors for sure. Uh, like the old days, it's not like they're not going to get scored on. They're going to get scored on by, by these good offenses, but they're favored by 19 and a half. And this one for a reason, you know the offense is going to grind and break down the Notre Dame defensive line some way, somehow. Depend regardless of what Notre Dame tries to do, even if Notre Dame like triples Devonta like Smith, I just you know what are you going to do? I mean, there's it's not, not going to. Then they have so many like you put three guys in Devonte
1: Smith, then they'll give the ball to Najee Harris. The I do feel, I feel bad for Najee Harris that he didn't get the Heisman invite like Mac yeah. Jones. Like he had a pretty solid year. And, uh, but I guess, I suppose that's typical of, of college football, but yeah, nah, I'll let you go on, but yeah, you, you hit the nail on the coffin.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I feel bad for Notre Dame. You know, they had a good year. They beat Clemson obviously without Trevor Lawrence. Then they got handled in the ACC game with Lawrence returning. Um, you know, I, Notre Dame had a good year. That's all you can say. Alabama's going to win this one. I picked them to win by 20, the line's 19 and a half. So kind of right on that, uh, you know, next there's just like Notre Dame's defense is what they're good at. And their defense is not better than Alabama's offense. And that's just that. Uh, And I also don't think Notre Dame's offense will exploit Alabama's defense. Like they can be exploited, you know? So I, I think that, uh, that that's not a good matchup for them anyway, regardless of the talent depth between them. So Alabama probably going on in that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like Notre Dame's got a really, really strong defense, but I think in, in most cases, Good offense beats good defense, and, and yeah. Alabama's offense is so explosive. And then and Notre Dame's offense just isn't very good. So even though Alabama's defense might not be what it used to be, I think it's I think you're right where it's, it's going to be able to hold that. I mean, we saw Notre Dame's offense against Clemson in the last game. Like, they, they couldn't get anything going. Uh, and I, I what do you think about Brian Kelly? He came out and said that it, it doesn't matter, like, how they perform in the game which, you know, most of the time probably wouldn't be the case. But this is a team that, like, since, like, the mid-90s in BCS or New Year's Six Bowl games has been getting blown out. They've been, like, I think 1995, they had a five-point loss to Florida State. Otherwise, they lost by 32 to Oregon State in the 2000 Fiesta Bowl. We know how the playoffs have gone for them, just getting absolutely annihilated in in their appearances there. Like, I – I feel like the the performance of Notre Dame does matter because like he was saying like we're, we're there. We're in, you know, we're close to the national championship every year, but like they're not really because they, they get close and then they get annihilated. So do you agree with Brian Kelly that like they've done an, enough to to like be like, Oh yeah, we're there. Or do you think, I mean, you have this many bad losses in a row. What What are
0: your thoughts on that? I mean, I think about it like a fan, right? Like, if the Hawkeyes were the best Big Ten team, if we got to the top four consistently and then in game one got blown out every year, I'd be pissed. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be pissed. We're not. And of course, I would rather be there than where we are now. But that's not saying anything, you know, and it's and and it's honestly it's becoming. We don't hold more... ourselves to the standards Notre Dame pretends they're, they they hold themselves to. Right. And if Notre Dame, and you know, Matthew, if Notre Dame had been, for whatever reason, leapfrogged by Texas A&M, they would have been coming out here and crying about it, how they deserve it, how they're that top tier. So to say that, and now that they're in, be like, well, that was our goal. Like, oh, no, come on. You, You can't get blown out. I get it's Alabama, and it's like probably the best Alabama offense in ages, but blown out when defense is your thing? I mean, what's the point of being there? you're just the second best team in the ACC. Like, let's not, let's let's just be real about that. Like, that's just what you are. And like, you had a good defense. You got one lucky win because of a crazy pandemic, right? Not for any other reason. Let's be honest about that too. You had to go to overtime still. So it's not even like you blew them out. You know, congratulations, you're there, but you have to show up to that game and show something because otherwise, you know, (laughs) we don't give out participation trophies. No no one's going to remember how many times you were fourth place. Like, that's just not... You know, it's like when Germany was going to the World Cup semis and losing every time. It's like, great. We're good, we're we're among the top 4 teams, but the gulf between us and the top is still there. You know, and Germany wasn't getting blown out even. So, anyway, yeah. yeah exactly. Re- Germany
1: Germany wasn't losing the the semifinals 3-0 because I think that's part of it too. Like the when they met Alabama in the BCS Championship, 42 to 14. And and I'm not even sure that score gives credit to how much Alabama was dominated. They went to the semis against Clemson. And in, in 2018, 30-3. to three. Like, the fact that, like, they're not even in these games, I, I think I think the performance does matter. Like, I get a loss is a loss. Like, if you're going to lose, it always sucks. But, like, when you're not even competing in these games, it, it does matter the performance-wise. Like, if you lose by 21, then, like, it, it still shows that you are not – you're not there yet. You're close. Like, I, I'm, I, don't, I know Notre Dame's not bad, but they're not – really they're not in the same conversation as as the other three teams like I think they I think they do need to have a good performance I'm not sure they're going to I think Alabama is going to destroy them but like for Brian Kelly to be like no it
0: doesn't I get it it's coach speech but like you're wrong dude right and and you know what that's another thing about the coach speech though like you get asked that question all you have to say is like, they got a really good offense, you know, we got a really good defense. We're gonna do what we can against them and have a good performance. That's all you gotta say. Why, why like make a comment that's setting yourself up to be blown out? You're like, it doesn't matter, we're here. Like, no, that's not what your job is at a coach. You're not your job isn't to be there, your job is to perform as well as you can. It's like Newcastle. I just watched the coach Sam Allardyce for Newcastle United talk about playing Liverpool. And of course, Newcastle's gonna lose, but he just said they got a really good offense, we're gonna try some stuff and see what happens. And that's all you got to say. You don't have to say anything else.
1: Sam, Sam Allardyce rules. I mean, I think the question – I think somebody asked him the question. Like, I don't think Brian Kelly brought it up unprompted. Like, I think somebody was right. like, hey, you guys have been getting your ass whooped in every BCS or New Year's Six Bowl that you've been in the last two decades. So, I don't – but, yeah, I do agree with you where there, there probably is a way for him to not be like – to answer it a little less like, no, it doesn't matter. Or, or honestly,
0: say it does. Like, I, I don't know why these coaches – like, have a little cojones. Right, because it's like if Notre Dame loses by 40, it's not like Brian Kelly gets to go out there and be like, ah, we're here, happy to be here. My job is perfectly fine. It's like your job is probably safe, but at the same time, a 40-point loss is not looking good on your resume regardless. Not good. Yeah. Anyway, take us through the other game. we got Ohio State versus Clemson. What do you see in that game?
1: Yeah, we uh, like you said, we talked about these a little bit. I I mostly just kind of reiterate I think the need for for Ohio State to run the ball. I think um I do think you look at these two teams, I think Clemson is is the obvious better team, but not not near the the margin that Alabama is over Notre Dame. Like I I don't think Ohio State winning this game would, would really shock anybody. Um, but I do I think they need a run. I, I think the running game just get just helps them. It gives them another element. I think it helps like Justin Fields is a great quarterback, but a rushing attack just helps him a lot. Like it just kind of calms him down. He knows it's there. And I think, too, you, you have to think about last year's battle between these two. Through the first half, Ohio State was in control. And, and a lot of it was because they had a really good running attack. And then in the second half, Ryan Day, I guess, lost his play sheet with the running plays because they went completely away from it and it kind of it stifled the Buckeyes' offense themselves, and it allowed Lawrence and Clemson to come back very, very quickly. So I, I think Ohio State needs to run the ball, and if they do that, I think this one has, has the chance to be a great game. Uh, it is fun to see, too, like the Lawrence versus Fields battle again. They both were the top recruits coming out of the 2018 recruiting class, both from Georgia, so they knew each other really well. Of course, I already mentioned their battle in last year's semis, and now again here. And they've also been talked about, you know, being the top two picks. We'll see what happens now with the Jets deciding to win games. Uh, But I think think we all expect them to go. I mean, Lawrence is still going one. I think Justin Fields will still go in the top five, top ten at the worst. Uh, So this could kind of be – I mean, it could be a rivalry that goes on for a long, long time and kind of unprecedentedly. Like, it's not like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady met in high school and college and the pro. Like, this could be uh, the – just the first few chapters of, of a really fun battle between these two great quarterbacks. So we'll see who uh, gets it done. But I, I'm going with Clemson because I we're going to get into our Heisman winner, and, and and Trevor Lawrence isn't my Heisman winner because I don't think he's put up quite the stats, but Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football. Uh, and, and just how much he brings to that team, especially offensively, is is pretty phenomenal. And I think, that, I think their defense is, is kind of clicking at the right time. So I got Clemson winning by 10 in this one. Um, but I, I do think, I think it'll be kind of a, a pulling away later. I think this is going to be a, a pretty tight affair for the first three quarters.
0: Yeah, I definitely see it being a tight game for the most part and one team pulling away. And I agree. I just trust Clemson more. Uh, there's been some talk uh, on the talk shows. I'm not even sure if you heard this. Uh, someone brought up that he, I forget who it was, uh, brought up that he thinks that Ohio State doesn't prepare their quarterbacks well for the NFL. Do you think Justin Fields has a future in the NFL? Do you think that's something that he can hold up? I th- I mean I think there's I think there's some legitimate worry there,
1: but I I also think like Dwayne Haskins was really the only Ohio State quarterback in the last decade that we expected much from the NFL. Like we knew J T Barrett was a was pretty college football system quarterback. Uh Cordell Jones, of course, like kind of just the weird quarterback carousel that that became. He he never really got the chance to I think like really make the job his 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 self so I I think there's a little bit of fair criticism there but I I also think Justin Fields probably has a better head on his shoulder to not go to a strip club in the middle of a pandemic so yikes I've never seen a young man throw away his career like that I mean he'll get picked up and it's just like dude he's a free agent you are I think I think I think so I think some somebody will give him a chance eventually because like he's young and, and you're always looking for a backup or whatever like i don't think he's going to be a starter but like i think he'll he'll get picked up again but like dude you're you're already playing so poorly cuz like he he didn't get cut
0: because he was playing bad he got cut because he was an idiot yeah i mean he i mean that last game he played bad that last game he he Oh lost he played bad. horrible but if oh. he
1: but if he wouldn't have gone to the strip club he was. He would still be on the Washington team, like right. I right. Think he would just be like, had, yeah. Had well, benched. still. That would have because there's yeah, no yeah. real reason to cut him just because of the bad play. You're like, we're not paying him that much. He's still young. Like whatever. But like then, when you add, when you're playing bad, you're not really bringing that much to a team. And then you bring in this just foolish drama, especially from the quarterback position, where you are supposed to be the leader. Like that. That was. That, all she wrote like he he and and i think too maybe he was playing well and he did it he'd probably be there so like yeah i think the playing bad certainly had had a factor in it but like he he would have still been on the team if he would have just used a little
0: common sense right and you don't mess around with ron rivera let's be honest like he doesn't care exactly he's not gonna, he's yeah. not gonna deal with that shit so
1: right he's, he's making a culture he's making a culture
0: there like he's like we're changing how things are done here in
1: washington And and I and I I love that out of Ron Rivera, and I love what he said too. Like he was like, he wasn't hard on the kid, and and I get Dwayne Haskins is still young, and we're all allowed to make mistakes. But like he was like, look, right now, this this isn't the relationship that we we need to be in together. You you need to move on, and we need to move on from you. And and I, Ron Rivera
0: rules. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. If anyone ever breaks up with me, I want it to be Ron Rivera. I would understand. I'd move on. I'd understand. I'd be broken, but it would be for obviously good reasons. Ron Rivera, heartbreaker. True, truthfully, truthfully. Uh, all right. Well, you mentioned it. You mentioned Heisman. Uh, I we I don't know if we have different answers. I would be shocked if we had different answers here uh, after after the developments of the last week. But um, you know, Heisman talk. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. You know, whittling it down. Obviously, the Heisman candidates came out. Kyle Trask not on that list. Uh, obviously, Mac Jones on that list. Devontae Sanders. Yeah, yes. Kyle Trask is, is a finalist. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, first team is what I'm talking about. First team yeah. offenses came out. Uh, Kyle Trask, not on that list. Heisman, finalist, yes. Uh, first team came out. Uh, the uh, Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback, on that list instead of Kyle Trask kind of indicates which way things are going. Uh, obviously, not the same polls. Obviously, not the same voting, but it is an indication. Uh, I think it's pretty clear though. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be Devona Smith, you know, AP player of the year. He's the first receiver and first Alabama player to receive that award. Uh, that player who's gotten AP player of the year has won the Heisman 17 of 22 times. Uh, interesting caveat. The, uh, the last couple times that that didn't happen, it was Alabama players who didn't win the AP player of the year and then yeah, won was the Heisman. That. <laughs> yeah. because
1: when, when you said it was the first Alabama player to do it, I was like, dang, I didn't know that. It's like, so henry and and Ingram musta,
0: yeah, they snuck in after after the other guys, so yeah, uh but that i don't I don't see that happening uh to divana, i mean i think well earned ninety eight receptions fifteen hundred yards plus seventeen touchdowns best receiver in the game, he's trying to be the first receiver since nineteen ninety one to win the award, uh yeah, and uh, what do you think do you think do you know all these players being good in his team hurts him, or do you think he's got it pretty locked up i you know i think. I think normally
1: that maybe all the players would hurt him, but I th- I think like he's he's been the best player on the best team. Like Najee Harris has been great, and, and Mac Jones has been has been good, and and like the whole offense has been good. But I like Devonte Devonte is that that offense and like ridiculous receiving numbers: ninety-eight catches, one thousand five hundred and eleven yards, seventeen touchdowns. He's got a rushing touchdown. He's got a punt return touchdowns. What really impressed me was in four games against AP ranked opponents, he has thirty-nine catches. 585 yards and seven touchdowns. So in the big games against the biggest opponents, he shows up. And I think too, you always talk about the Heisman moment. Uh, like, look, like, what, what was that moment where it was like, yeah, that guy, that guy is, is that dude. And I think that's kind of what serves Kyle Trask. Cause Kyle Trask has put up a bunch of great numbers. He's, he's been, I think, I think he deserves first team uh, quarterback. Yeah. I know it's, it's kind of, it's, it is a tough one. Like it's one where it's like, well, Mac Jones, you're not bad about the Mac Jones decision, but I did think Kyle Chast deserved it, but he didn't really have the Heisman moment. And and in that SEC championship championship game, Mac Jones was intercepted on Alabama's second drive by Trey Dean. And then after the pick, Bama forced Dean to fumble and Smith, Devonta Smith recovered that fumble. The exact next play he scored on a 31 yard touchdown catch. And even though it only brought the score to 14 to seven, it swung the momentum so much in Alabama's favor that they controlled the game the rest of the time. Like Florida was still fighting, but like after that play of like, he recovers the fumble, then he goes and gets the touchdown. Like that's kind of Heisman moment you look for. So I, I do think it's Devonte Smith and I think he's very deserving of it. Would be, would be only the fourth receiver to ever win the award. So that's, that's pretty cool too. Joining, you know, Johnny Rogers, Tim Brown and, and Desmond Howard. So
0: it's uh, it's about time. Another receiver gets the, gets the Heisman. Right. I mean, you think about all the great receivers that have gone since that haven't won it. It's kind of crazy to think. Uh, But yeah, very deserving. And uh, we're, we're excited to get another wide receiver on that Heisman sheet. All right. We've been drinking beer like always. So let's take a pause from the sports action. Matthew, what are we drinking today?
1: Well, because new year's is tomorrow. I I thought some bubbles would be a little appropriate. So I actually got some Cava to celebrate the new year. Um, as Yannick, as you'll know, all New York actors are, are just like anyone in, in theater and film. You either have to work in a coffee shop or a restaurant. I was a part of the latter for, for quite some time. It's a really nice place, Michelin starred, and everything. So in my time there, I became a bit of a wine snob. So Cava is uh, actually sparkling wine. <clears throat> that's made in Spain. I know everyone just calls sparkling wine champagne. You're all wrong. I'm going to guarantee you most of you haven't had champagne because champagne is expensive as hell. But there really is like, I think I, I get to be snobby about it at times. I don't get to, but I become snobby about it at times because like there really is so many great sparkling wines. And I think once you actually know the difference, you can explore a, a wider variety. So try some Cava. It's, it's just any sparkling wine that's made in Spain is Cava. And it's, one, it's probably my favorite kind of sparkling wine, but I thought it was appropriate for, for New Year's Eve coming up. What are you sipping on today, my friend?
0: Uh, yeah, I I, I want to say too. I mean, like, I think it's good to know more about things because I remember not for wine necessarily, but for beer. I remember being like, I like beer, and then when I started to really learn about beer and like the different you know types of beer and the different you know ways of brewing and all that stuff. I was like, okay, I can like appreciate it more now. Like, this is not just something I do to pass the time <laughs> or to get drunk. Or you or, like, nice. or you like go to a place and like you know, like
1: you know, you are like, oh, I really like. Wheat Pilsners, or I really like says and you're like, oh, I can, I'll try that one that's on the menu that I've never had before, because I know that I like that
0: kind of style. So yeah, I, I completely agree. Good. And I am not drinking anything New Year's related, but I have recently started watching Cobra Kai. For those of you who don't know, Karate Kid is my favorite movie, and my brother finally got me to watch the new TV show. I was a little anxious because I was like, don't ruin this for me. Um, but I love it. It's so, so great. It's I'm watching season two now. and I've heard it's awesome. It's amazing. It's so good. It's like, I've heard um, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And uh, Johnny Lawrence in that movie, uh, William Zapka, he constantly gets drunk on Coors Banquets. And so that's what I'm drinking tonight. I'm drinking a Coors Banquet. I love that. <laughs> and he just and like he drinks it all the time and it's just always in frame and i'm like this is great i love this i love this aspect of it so much
1: is there is there two seasons of that show now two seasons third one
0: comes out new year's day nice oh dude yeah. perfect time for me to start it then there you go that's why i started i was like i'll i'll get it done and and it's like it's like 30 minute episodes it's not too long it's 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 pretty de- it's pretty chill and i love it it's it's epic first season was dope i'm so happy about it <laughs> it's like that's one of those shows where i'm like
1: you know guys like we just because we're bringing back a story or like whatever like you can still do it in a different kind of manner because it, at least from like the trailer i've seen like it seems to have quite a different tone than the karate kid story which like i think that's such a great way to bring back like so you're not just like trying to retell the same thing or like do the same exact thing you're like yeah it's still got the heart of of what we did, or what would the initial one was, but like we're, te- we're telling a different story, we're doing it in a different manner, and I think that's I think that's a brilliant way to to bring back stories if if we're going to do it
0: right. And they kind of do this awesome thing where in the in the Karate Kid, obviously, bullying is at the center of is like a, a main theme at the center of it, and it kind of does this cool thing where it's 2020, and now we kind of understand bullying is not just something that happens it's all rooted in something else and that is explored really nice and like what it means to be a bully and how it's not just strong kids picking on weak kids it's also like you know it's just a lot of different stuff and I really like the social messages it pushes forward uh, yeah it's really great uh and I'm very happy about it and I can't wait to watch season three anyway Coors Banquets that's what I'm drinking today Uh, it's been a good one. Uh, excited to drink this last episode into 2021. Um, let's go now to the Hawkeyes. We've got a couple things I want to talk about really quick, just from our Hawkeye nation. It's been, it's been a rough, rough week to say the least. Um, but, um, you know, there's been rougher weeks in Hawkeye sports for sure as well. Uh, yeah. So today was supposed to be the music city bowl, Iowa versus Mizzou. We talked about it. We're supposed to have so much fun watching Iowa blow out Mizzou, Unfortunately, Mizzou had a lot of COVID cases on top of a lot of different other things happening. So it was canceled uh, with the Iowa Hawkeyes now going into the next season. What do you expect of this team going into next year uh, with the losses that are going to inevitably happen in the offseason? Man, I don't
1: know. It's there's we I mean, we get we get uh, Goodson back for sure. Uh, I think Reganey would be back. I can't I can't remember what year Laporta is. I believe Laporta uh, should be back, and and you know I, I'm optimistic that that Petrus, with really a full offseason to to kind of learn the position um, and, and just kind of settle himself more, can can really grow on that. Of course, we'll miss Brandon and, and Amir, but I think they're both making the right decision to go. I mean, they're both seniors. There's no reason to to use that extra year of eligibility. I think they both have shown what they can do, and and I I personally think I'd, these are probably two of the best Hawkeye. NFL prospect receive just wide receiver wise obviously tight ends we get a tight end in the NFL year in and year out but as far as receivers wise I I think these two are are two of the best prospects we've had in a while so wishing them both the absolute best moving on um and defensively you know I I I assume Davion will be gone but um we still will have some weapons on the defensive line the defensive backs are still like relatively young uh, the linebackers as well. So I, I think the defense should still be pretty stout and, and you know, you're just hopeful that Petrus can kind of take that next step. But if not, we still get Tyler Goodson
0: and that's a, that's a pretty good bell cow to be able to hit. I agree. Same old Iowa. And then we love it that way. All right. Now let's go on to college basketball Hawkeyes. Obviously uh, I'm not sure if the rankings have been out yet, so this might be old news. So tell me if it is, but In the most recent thing, I saw Hawkeyes dropping down to 10th in the college basketball rankings. They had two losses, one to Gonzaga, one to Minnesota. Uh, They obviously had the win over Northwestern more recently, uh, which was a good win. But uh, 10th in the college basketball rankings, do you think that's deserved? Do you think we've actually played better than that? Do you think maybe we've played worse than that? Where do you think Iowa stands in terms of the nation right now with those two losses? I think ten seems pretty
1: fair because I think, I mean, that Minnesota game to me was Iowa beating themselves. I mean, I think I think Minnesota is a, is a, is a good team. I think they're certainly a tournament team. They got a nice win over Sparty this week, but they also lost to Illinois by twenty seven, like not that long ago. So I, I I think it to me it was more about Iowa shooting themselves in the foot, and so I, I that's why I think that the the ranking is probably fair because we have like. The pieces are all there for the Hawks to be top five, uh, but they haven't really all quite clicked yet. Um, Jordan Mohannon finally had a, a good night shooting again. I mean, that, that was his only only his second game in double digits this year, which you know normally wouldn't be like that worrisome. But when your team's scoring like ninety points a game, you would expect a good shooter to be able to to get over double digits. So, I think the three point shooting has to become more consistent. Um, I, th- I think Fran needs to figure out the rotation a little bit better. Um, sometimes that's Fran's biggest weakness. Is he knows he's got a deep bench, so he just keeps throwing guys out there when that that isn't that doesn't always serve you well. So Ken seems fair to me. Um, I like where we're at now, and I think you know that that loss to Minnesota sometimes you, sometimes you kind of need one of those. Like sometimes you need to, to to lose a game because of your own performance to be like, hey we, we got to get zoned in. We got to get locked in. We, we can't like, cause it was poor decision-making and missed free throws. Like it was stuff that shouldn't have happened that, that they lost that game. And so I think it, it is a good game to be like, all right, let let's get locked in. Let's focus on what the goals we have this season. There's still, there's still everything to play for. Um, And you know, Saturday, Saturday will be a big one because we got to go to, to Jersey and play a Rutgers team. That's playing as good as anybody in the big 10 right now.
0: Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's my next question. You know, the big 10 is turning out to just be a bloodbath between everybody. I mean, I don't know one team that I want to play in the big 10. Do you don't, I mean, 10th in the nation, fine. Um, Do you think Iowa, because we were talking big prospects and now it just looks like everybody's slogging each other in the big 10. So do you think Iowa can even end up on top of the big 10 or do you think they might have to, you know, settle for like second or third?
1: Yeah, I mean, gosh, I was certainly wrong about the Big Ten this year. I kind of thought it was a little more top heavy, but I mean, nine ranked teams, Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland aren't ranked, but they're all like they're all going to be tough outs. They're all going to be Maryland just went into Wisconsin and won. We've seen Purdue play well, so it, it's it's going to be an absolute yeah. gauntlet, which kind of feels like I feel like we say that every year about the Big Ten, but this year especially seems seems pretty daunting. I I mean, maybe it's my bias, but I still I I. The Hawks have to click. The Hawks have to do what we know they can do, but I think I think they still look like the favorite to me. I think Wisconsin's upside is just limited in the way that they play, uh, and just kind of the, the talent that they have. We've seen Michigan State, kind of, you know, struggle. They're zero three, which is insane. Northwestern off to a great start, but like last night, we kind of saw that North like Northwestern and Rutgers. I think will have good seasons, but they're not like quite competitors. And even Michigan hasn't played anyone yet, so. I I think the top three still will be Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And and I still think the Hawkeyes are are the team that that should prevail in in this crazy season. But who, I mean, it's going to be one of those years where, like, even if Iowa finishes first, they might have like five conference losses. Like, it's, I think that there's going to be a lot of cannibalism in, in
0: the Big Ten this year, per usual. Yeah, I'm really excited. That Big Ten tournament's going to be better than March Madness almost. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be so much fun. Um, no, it's going to be great. And I mean, the, the good the good thing is the Slogfest, it it, it kind of frightens you about every team you play, but it also show you, shows you that every team is beatable. Every team is figuring out their stuff. No team looks like a Gonzaga where it's like there's no way. You know, every team has very obvious glaring things they need to fix. So... I agree. I, I take I take the bias and I I I second it and I think Iowa still has uh, the edge there, especially with how Wisconsin you said limited on their upside And Illinois. Um, you know they got the two players and past that I don't trust them. Uh, so I, I I agree with you there. Uh, let's let's touch talk on the Hawkeye women really quick. They're five and one. Their only loss is to Michigan State by four, and Michigan State so far is undefeated. Uh, In the top 25, there are nine one-loss teams, five two-loss teams. You know, what do you think? How are the Hawkeye women looking in terms of the country? They look good. I mean, I think
1: the the thing that women's basketball does probably better than men's basketball year in and year out is like the top team, like the non-conference matchups in women's basketball are always good. Like the the top teams are always playing other ranked teams. So I think a lot of those like losses that some of those teams have are from – you know, other really good teams, the, Hawk, the Hawkeye women haven't really played anyone yet. You know, the Iowa State win was nice, but now Iowa State doesn't look quite as good as maybe was expected. Um, and if, you know, if they would have pulled it out against Michigan State and East Lansing undefeated, I, I think the Hawks could, you know, have an argument to be to be ranked. But right now, I think they need to make a little more noise in the Big Ten, beat, beat a few more quality opponents until they, they really can say, uh, they deserve to be ranked because like those top teams with like, like like South Carolina, UConn, Stanford, Notre Dame, they all just like play the other really good teams. So uh, I, and I always think that like college basketball does a, a good job of recognizing that and not just being like, well, you lost. So you got to fall. It's like, I mean, if you lost to a really good team, that doesn't mean you're not the seventh best team. So I think the Hawks have a chance to be ranked. But right now, I think they they got a little work to do before they deserve to
0: to get that national ranking. I agree. No ranked wins yet. So you got you to gotta wait till that happens, uh, even if you've been playing well. And, uh, you know, they still got six votes to be in the top 25. It's not like everybody ignored them. So they still got some votes. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But we wish the best, obviously, uh, for the Hawkeye women. We'll be covering them as much as we can as well. All right. Let's move to professional basketball, Matthew. That's right. The NBA has started Merry Christmas season, indeed. It was a crazy first week of action. Lots of stuff to talk about. Obviously, we won't go over every score; that would be ridiculous. We would love to, but it would be ridiculous. Um, and so, instead, we're going to go over who impressed us, who we think is in some trouble, and who's in who's really the our our top five rankings uh, for the East and West. So, I'll start off <clears throat> with who's impressed me. Matthew already we already talked about this. this is gonna this is, you're not going to agree with me, on this. that's that's fine. That's fine. That's all right. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to start off, you know, Trey Young and the Hawks. I know they're, they're, it's early times. They played three, you know, teams, but <clears throat> they're playing really well. Trey Young's, you know, made that step forward that people were questioning whether he could, he was already good last season. He's got 30, he averages 34 points. He's got a 92% free throw percentage. Um, you know, they played the Grizzlies, the Bulls and the Pistons. Still it's three, and a lot of teams have, have, had worse losses, so uh, for now, you got to You got a gu- uh, innocent until proven guilty is where I'm standing. There, uh, a Hawks team that obviously finished very poorly. I think uh, Bogdanovich is a good addition there. I think Clint Capella is good. John Collins is good. I think they got a good team, uh, and the Hawks have impressed me so far. Another guy I'm impressed with, uh, and who who couldn't be impressed with him? Right. But I'm still just the start to the season has been great. So I'm I'm giving him a shout out. Nikola Jokic. I mean, he's averaging 24 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists per game. Averaging a triple double has been monstrous for the Nuggets so far. Uh, Love what he's doing. He just he just never he's just never bad. It's crazy to me uh, how good that big man is. And it it makes the Nuggets dangerous in the West, as I'm sure we'll talk about. And finally, you know, I'm going to give him some love. Hate the guy, but I'm going to give him some love. James Harden. He's got the highest points per game average and the second highest assists per game average despite all of the bullshit over the season, off season. So, you know, good on James Harden playing without any of his teammates so far. Uh and and he's going out there and he's doing his job. Uh, you know, very Dennis Rodman like. Not like the same craziness, but the but the but the mentality of like he's kind of turbulent but he shows up to play. Uh good to see and and that's who's impressing me so far. How about you, Matthew? Yeah, I, you know, James Harden gets a lot of flack for, like, not passing
1: the ball. But James Harden, like, if you look at his assist numbers the last few years, they're routinely right around 10. Like, the guy does I, – I mean, I get that's part of their offense, but, like, people compare him to, like, a Kobe. And I love Kobe, but, like, Kobe was never getting assist numbers like James Harden. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Trey Young has made the jump in the sense of, I mean, these first few games – his field goal efficiency is certainly better. I mean, he's shooting the 50-40-90, which is always what, you know, any good scorer wants to do. Um 50% from field goal range, 40% from three-point range and 90% from free throws. But we've always known Trey Young can score. When is Trey Young going to guard somebody? Like he as much as he scores, he's so abysmal on on defense that it doesn't like the scoring doesn't really help the team that much. It almost equals out. So until he starts like actually defending someone, I'm never going to be a big Trey young guy because I mean, even USA basketball didn't invite him to one of the like camps for the possible Olympic team. Cause they were like, dude, you don't play defense. Like it, you need to play defense. But once he does that, I mean, he's got hell of an offensive game. Uh, I got, uh, I'm starting with just one, a team. And you know, like I think you even said it, it's, it's, it's so early, to kind of be making big claims, especially when you think about like, for some teams it, it was the shortest off season ever, and it was also a, a massive layoff for other teams. Like 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 the like the Hawks haven't played in so long. Like they should be as sharp as as any sharp in the sense of rested. Um, but so like that's kind that's such a weird sort of thing to you know everyone's starting the season at the same time, but they all ended their season at quite different times. But I love the start that the Pacers are having. Uh, head coach Nate Bjorken. He's an ex-Buena Vista player here in Storm Lake, Iowa. Good friend of mine played yeah. basketball at at, at BV. <laughs> so shout out to all my BV boys on that one. I know, I know you all got to be proud of the ex-Beaver. That's pretty cool to see a BV guy there. Uh, and they just have a really solid roster. Now, Oladipo and Brogdon, terrific guard combo. Miles Turner, his growth hasn't been quite at the pace I think Indiana probably would have wanted, but still provides a good defense, and and can stretch the floor. Uh, TJ Warren's a bucket, and DeMontis Sabonis is the best-kept secret in the league. The guy can literally do everything on the court. He he can pass, he can rebound, he can defend, he can shoot, he can post up. Uh, His maturation has been so impressive. Uh, So they they are just a solid, solid team, and they're going to play defense. They're going to work hard. That's a team in in seven games that, especially if Oladipo can stay healthy and kind of be that all-star that he was a couple years ago, they're going to be a tough out in the East. I love what Indiana's doing. And I'm also going to give a little love to Chris Boucher for the Raptors. I think he is – he kind of showed it in the bubble, and he's showing it now at the early start of the season. he He's going to be maybe the best shot blocker in the NBA. He had seven blocks against the Spurs. Yeah, he, he did. His length, his quick hops, his timing. He, he's hes just a terrific shot blocker. So my my impressiveness is – my impressiveness – my impressiveness. Teams and players I've been impressed with. I got Chris Boucher for the Raptors, and then and then the Pacers. I I, I think they both player and team have have a bright future this season ahead.
0: I agree. I agree. And uh, I picked up Chris Boucher in fantasy basketball, and have not have not regretted the decision. So I I agree there. And Great yeah, call. Pacers uh, Pacers beat the Celtics the other day. I was surprised, but it was a good win. Uh, so I definitely I definitely see the and we'll talk about the Pacers hopefully you later. Our- you got them back last night. We did, we did, but, uh, you know, I'm just saying, it did happen, so I wasn't expecting it. I really wasn't expecting it, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, Sabonis they're le- they're is, legit. Sabonis is a monster. Well, I mean, we'll see if you talk about them later in the East. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, anyway, let's talk about, uh, not impressive, uh, but the people who are kind of worrying us a little bit. Uh, you can start off here. Who's worrying you a little bit, uh, teams or players? I just have one team here, and it is the Washington Wizards. Like I said, I know it's
1: early, and and Russ just got there, but they are zero four with two losses to the Magic and a loss to the Bulls. Like they have plenty of time still to to figure it out. But like you get Russell Westbrook, you sign Davis Burton's, you, you have Bradley Beal there ready to to finally compete and, and get some wins. And it has been just a horrible, horrible start for Washington. I, I think long term they'll they'll probably figure it out. Like, like I've said many times. Russell Westbrook is is a, a difficult guy to to figure out how to play with. Um it's that's not a that's not a bad thing. People say that and then they're like, hey, how dare you say that about Russell Westbrook? I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying the way he plays, you you need to adjust to. So I think that probably will happen. Uh, and I think they'll be fine long term, but right now, like to start 0-4 and to have those if it was 0-4 and losses to, you know, Boston, the Clippers, the Mavericks, but the Magic are I should have given some love to Markel Fultz also. He is having a great year so far for the Magic. But like so the Magic happy. aren't that aren't that scary of a team. And the Bulls are
0: not good. So not a great start for Washington. I also have Washington in mind. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna reiterate that fact. I mean, three straight losses. And here's what I'll add: <clears throat> Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook playing really well. Really well. I mean, they're pouring on the points. So you kind of wonder, like, yeah, it's early things, but if you have both your star players playing really well and you still can't win games. I mean, where do you where are you actually going to do damage in the East? Because what happens when you play the Nets? You're going to get outscored. What happens when you play a good defensive team like Boston? You're not going to be able to do as well. You know, it it, it kind of, you know, it worries you a little bit. So I definitely have the Wizards there as well. But early things. Uh I also have the Rockets there. You know, I talked about James Harden doing well, but the Rockets are not doing well. They are 0-2. They've got a lot of COVID issues. James Harden drama is still there. Lots to discuss, um, but they they need to figure some stuff out too. Harden's leading a bunch of statistical categories and he still can't win. That's also not what you want. And a little personal thing that I'm worried about, the Celtics in the second half. The Celtics, my goodness, they have two losses and they have led going into the half both times. And, and you know what? It's early times, Matt. But you think about the conference finals against the Miami Heat. That was the problem. We went into the lead into the half with the lead and then we lost it. So I don't know what Brad Stevens got to do to get his players ready for the second half, but it has to happen. I don't know what it is, but it has to happen. It's ridiculous. I'm sick of it. I'm truly, I, this is my fly in my beer. I'm sick of the second half by the Celtics. I really, really am. I can't do it. Uh, I'm sick of watching their games in the second half, Uh, but they'll figure that out. Hopefully they'll have to, if they want to be contenders. All right, well we talked about the things that are impressive, the things that are worrying. Now it's time for the fun part. We're going to give our west and east rankings, our top 5 power rankings for both. Uh let's start in the east just for fun. Uh we're going to give we'll go back we'll go back and forth uh between these. Matthew, I I'll, I'll start us off. At the number 5 spot, <clears throat> I have and this is, you know, I picked my number 5 spot is is my innocent until proven guilty based on the thing, I, I, the Orlando Magic, <clears throat> gonna give them some credit. They're four zero, so like you know, early season they're doing really well. Even if they're not scary, uh, give them some credit. I have the Atlanta Hawks here. I think that the Atlanta Hawks are are have a lot of good pieces in place. Uh, Trey Young doesn't play defense. Clint Capella sure does. John Collins can. Dondre Hunter can. I'm not saying that they're playing great defense, but I do think they have enough play, players to kind of counterbalance that. And they've been and they're three wins in. So we'll see where they keep going with that. Uh but yeah, they're kind of the innocent until proven guilty team at my number five spot in the East.
1: Man, you're giving them all too much credit on defense. Uh I got number (laughs) I got number five. I got the Sixers. Uh they're three and one right now, but I think you know the Sixers are if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can figure it out with Doc Rivers, which right now it's off to a pretty solid start. I think you know those two pieces are are they're just tough. Like Ben Simmons is just a tough guy to to guard. Uh and he does play defense. Um, and and with Joel Embiid, if, if Doc can really, you know, get him to want to compete every night, then I mean, I've always thought that the Sixers, what was kind of holding them back was Brett Brown at head coach. Not that he's not a good head coach, but he just wasn't the right coach for them. So I got the Sixers at five, uh, and and I think they could maybe finally turn to that corner we've been expecting from Philly.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only reason I don't have the Sixers, uh, ranked in my top five, I'll, I'll spoil that is because I... I've heard that if Embiid can and Simmons can get it together too much, I need to see it a little more before I give them that benefit of the doubt. All right, Matthew, why don't you give me your four then?
1: I got the Bucks. They, uh, you know, they're off to two and two start, but set the single game record for three pointers last night against the Heat. End of the day, they've they've got Giannis. I think in that in that Bucks Celtics game, we we got to see, even though the Celtics won, we got to see Drew what Drew Holiday brings to this team and and how much he adds to this team over eric bledsoe uh chris middleton's playing well so i the bucks aren't you know they're not four and oh but these good teams they don't need to start out four and oh they they understand it's a long haul season uh so i I still got Milwaukee at number four
0: yeah i mean lakers are two and two guys no one's worrying about them either um yeah and my number four i got the pacers I, I I agree. They're, they're I mean, they're also off to a great start, like you said, but they got some great pieces in place. They got Malcolm Brogdon, which we didn't talk about, who's been doing really well, especially in that game against the Celtics. Uh, they got uh, Sabonis, obviously, TJ Warren, and if Oladipo can be back up to his self, um, it's going to be really exciting in Indiana for sure, and I like the jumps that they've made. So I've got Indiana at my number four. At my number three, it is the Boston Celtics. I think they've started off the season pretty well. I'm a little worried about some recurring issues that have come into the new season, like I talked about with the second half, kind of let down uh, every, every, a couple of different games. But they still got great players. Jason Tatum stepping into his uh, role a little bit. Uh, Want to see a little more from Jalen Brown. Mark is smart as well. Uh, but it's clear that um, this team is really good. And once they get Kemba Walker back as that uh, auxiliary scorer, it's going to be uh, a really good time in Boston. So I got Boston at my number three.
1: Yeah, my number three is uh, my, my most impressive team. I got the Pacers. I, I I truly think this is a contender in the East. If, if Like you said, if Oladipo, like Oladipo was one of the most electric guards in, in the league a couple years ago. And then, of course, last year just had so many injuries. Brogdon was phenomenal for the Bucs. He, he hasn't h- quite hit that level with Indiana, but this is only his second season. And, I mean, gosh, if Sabonis can just keep progressing, he, he's going to be like a, sort of – you know, a, a more athletic Jokic for this team with his ability to to be kind of a point forward, to be able to run the offense from the post, but also can can take it out. So I got Indiana at three. All right. And who do you got in number two then in the East? Number two, I got your Celtics. I I, I I think with no I think they've looked really good without Kimba. And I, I think what Kimba brings to, to their team is is just kind of a calmness because Tatum and Brown are are, are terrific, but they are still young. I think there's times where they they still play like young out. players, but when Kimba's yeah. when yeah, but when Kimba's out there, they seem to be a little calmer. He just he just kind of brings a, a calmness to this team. Uh and uh I, I do think, you know, the issues you, you bring up are, are very they are they are worrisome and and I, I worry about the the post defense that they have. I, I think I know there's a, they got a lot of really good young guys to contribute. If I was Boston, I, I think I would try and make a trade to, to maybe get rid of Grant Williams, Robert Williams, you know package some of those young guys together to maybe see if you can get another four or five that can really, you know, help stabilize that defense. But I, I, I got Boston number two.
0: Love that. Yeah. At my number two, I got the Milwaukee bucks, uh, not necessarily because of the record, but because I've seen a lot from them that I didn't see last season. I I just think Chris Middleton is really, he's got, he's a man on a mission right now. I mean, everybody heard that he's not, a, he, he hasn't, didn't help Giannis and he's just out there, out there doing his best, and that's kind of why I got the Bucks up so far. Chris Middleton doing really, really well. And you're right, True Holiday is a great addition to that team. The Bucks were always a good team. They got the double MVP, Giannis, so they are at my number two, despite the two and two record. Uh, which leaves the number one, Matthew. If you shock me here, I I uh, I don't know what I'll say. I don't know if I have anything to say if you're about to shock me with your number one. Uh, I'll be I'll be thoroughly surprised. Uh, but I think I think we both got the same team. And it's your team, so why don't you tell us about your team, buddy? Dude, I number one Brooklyn
1: Nets. I think they've, uh, you know, they're they're two and two, but like, like we said, like this this early season record stuff doesn't really matter all, all that much. It's like you know freaking out about a baseball team playing really well or poorly through fifteen games when there's you know over a hundred more still to be played. I, I think I think right now the eye test is, is what matters most, and and Durant looks to be back to where he was. Kyrie looks to be as aggressive and confident as as we've seen him play. And uh I I think there is some worry with with losing Dinwiddie. There's no timetable yet. He he might be able to come back. Um and, and so losing that element if they don't have him for the playoffs, I, I do think that's a big, a big hit because he he just is part. I mean, that, that supporting cast is great, but Dinwiddie and, and Karis Levert are the real, you know, headstones of that supporting cast. So if he can't come back. Does Brooklyn try and make another trade? We'll we'll see. Um, I I do think that that will hurt them a little bit. But when you got Durant and
0: Kyrie, it's uh, two pretty good scores and guys to to hang your hat on. Yeah, I agree. And that's doing really well, looking really scary. I hated playing them for sure. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do moving forward. Two and two doesn't mean shit, guys. Don't worry about the Nets. They are just fine. Uh, Let's move on to the West. Uh, We'll do a little more consolidated here. I'm going to give my five, four, and three, and then Matt will do the same. Uh, At my number five, I have the Utah Jazz. They're kind of picking up where they left off. Love Donovan Mitchell. Love Rudy Gobert. Uh, Yeah, they're just looking just as great as last year, and, and for that reason, I do have them at the number five. At the number four, I've got the Trail Blazers. Obviously, the eighth seed uh, last year did some damage, could not get it done against the Lakers. But Dame Lillard looks to pick up where he left off. CJ McCollum having a better year than last year, which I think is really important for that team's prospects. Uh, So, yeah, really exciting things for the Trail Blazers there. My number four. At the number three, I have... The Denver Nuggets. Why? I mentioned it earlier. Nikola Jokic having a great, great year. Going to make the Nuggets a real contender for sure. Uh, still need to see a little more from the other players. But, you know, when Jokic is playing that way, it's just a matter of time until uh, Jamal Murray kind of catches fire again, and as well as some of the other supporting cast that we've talked about in the past. So the Denver Nuggets at the number three.
1: Uh, well, my number five, I got, uh, I got the Sacramento Kings. They're off to a, a pretty solid start. I think uh, De'Aaron Fox certainly needs to clean up some of those turnovers, but he, you know, he just sets such a good pace for them. Rashawn Holmes is doing a lot of good things down low. Tyrese Halberton had, had a solid game last night. I think he's kind of figuring out how to, how to fit there with Fox. Buddy yield and Harrison Barnes having, having some solid years. So I got the Kings at five. Number four, I, I got the Jazz. I agree. I, I mean, I just... Rudy Gobert is, is such a monster down low. Donovan Mitchell, you know he wants to be that guy sometimes. Another player that can shoot a little ineffectively. I think sometimes he needs to let the game come to him a little bit more, but you know, you got to better than like Mike Conley next to you. I think that that certainly helps. And Joe Ingles and and, and the supporting cast that they have, Jordan Clarkson can come off the bench for 20 points. Uh, The jazz and and they play good defense. They play good team defense. The number three, uh, I've got the Clippers. I was going to put them number two, but after like, I can't give, I had to do something to the Clippers. After that abysmal performance against the Mavericks, I was like, "You need to be punished at least a little bit." So I, I put the Clippers at three after scoring twenty-seven points in the first half. Was it? Yes, it was. It was abysmal.
0: I I I gave the benefit of the doubt. I agree, though. I thought about it, um, but for sure. Uh, so, who are your two and one then, Matthew? Give me your two and one. My my two, I went with the Suns. I, I just uh, I, wow. I, I I'm a
1: huge Devin Booker fan. I, I think DeAndre Ayton is is looking strong, and I just like the Chris Paul effect, like what he was able to do with OKC on a team that was not nearly as talented as Phoenix has has me just having a lot of faith that that I mean it's early three and one, but but I think it's I have faith that this three and one start is, is no mirage in the desert for Phoenix. So I got Not Phoenix that. number two. And then number one, I got, I got the Lakers like they, the Lakers could be Owen four right now and they would be my number one. As I mentioned earlier, like so many of these teams hadn't played since like March, the Lakers were playing br- really intense basketball in October. Uh, so which maybe also is why like we're probably both being too tough on the heat. Like the, the, the offseason season that they, these, both these teams have had compared to a lot of the other teams is much more you know, trying. Uh, so Lakers are, they'll be fine. It's, it's LeBron. LeBron James, plus LeBron, like you think about LeBron in, in Cleveland and in uh, Miami, like he never cared about his seed. He was like, I'll be the four seed. We're still going to go to the finals
0: because he knows when it matters, the team and he are going to show up. Right, exactly. I, I agree. And that's why the Lakers are my number one as well. They could be on four. They would still be my Number one, unless LeBron like forgot how to play on the court. And I would be like, oh, that's a problem. Um, But no, they're still my number one. I have the Clippers at number two. They had that embarrassing loss. I kind of, I kind of, you know, thought it was like a New York Jets effect. You know, you lose the New York Jets. It just happens. You know, sometimes, you know, it's historical and it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it happens. And so um, I think they're just fine. And they didn't have Kawhi. So that's another thing you can't. I'm not saying Kawhi would have changed the outcome of that game, but I also think, you know, there were some factors there. Uh, But yeah, those are our top five after week one. We'll update you on how we are thinking about everything as the NBA season goes on. But I don't know. I'll speak for both of us and say we're excited that the new season is here. Lots of teams to talk about. Lots of teams will come and go in these top five as the season goes on. And yeah, just exciting stuff.